What's up, Longhorn fans? Welcome to another recruiting breakdown where myself and Justin Wells talk a little recruiting. We're also going to have to uh, get into a deeper discussion on Texas TCU from this last Saturday and look ahead just a bit to the Kansas game in Lawrence this coming Saturday. Again, I am Trey Elling, Justin Wells, the managing editor at Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, along with me. And the recruiting breakdown is brought to you by a great Longhorn mortgage professional, Gabe Winslow. Gabe is a diehard Texas ex with more than 20 years in the industry doing mortgages throughout the great state of Texas. Contact Gabe today and give him the opportunity to earn your business. Justin, always a pleasure even if uh, the circumstances aren't uh, exactly stellar. An underwhelming performance for the Texas offense against TCU on Saturday, despite getting uh, performance of the year candidate by the defensive side of the ball. Special teams is a bit of a mixed bag, but in the end, the Longhorns drop a tough one to the number four Horn Frogs, 17-10. to 10. Yeah, it was, it was one of those games, Trey, that it felt a little like uh, watching the Twilight Zone. Uh, a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, the offense has essentially carried the, the team for most of the season, whereas the defense had started strong and then got uh, a lot of injuries stacked up on each other and a, a lot of some, some miscommunication on the back end. And, and now you saw the complete flip side of that. I, I, I thought we would see an improved defense because I thought it really matched up well with what TCU does. I really did not expect the TCU defense to shut down the, the Texas offense like they did. I did not expect them to frustrate Quinn Ewers in the manner that they did. Uh, they plugged the holes when, when Bijan Robinson was trying to get any sort of bounce outside possible. Uh, only the fact they only touched the ball 12 times, which is another problem in and of itself. But it, it wasn't the performance. If you're an offensive recruit, it really wasn't the performance you'd like to see. Rather, probably the last thing you'd want to see. But I think it's also understood that TCU's in the playoff uh, you know, race for, for a reason. They're a good team. They're a really good team, Trey. They're well coached. Uh, they've got a good mixture of, of young guys and veterans. And, and they had kids step up. And so at the end of the day, if you're an offensive recruit, it was kind of a a little bit of a kick to the nuts. And if you're a defensive recruit, it was unbelievable. It was outstanding, and it showed you the actual improvement and development that PK and those guys have had on that side of the ball. Yeah, one of the most positive developments from this season, obviously Bijan is Bijan. You expected him to do uh, incredible things. End up in the Heisman conversation, although uh, the performance against TCU on Saturday probably knocks him out of contention. But the fact that this defensive front – has been playing with their hair on fire, like what we've seen these last couple of games now, is enormous. And it makes everything else that you're trying to do on defense that much easier when you're not giving the quarterback any time to throw the football to go along with the fact that this has been a difficult team to run up the middle against pretty much this entire season. That's the problem. That's where you have to, you have, to have kind of a, a reality check. You have to figure out exactly what your identity is and what you're going to be good at. And if it, let's say you're trying to bring in a bunch of defensive guys, you're trying to impress the guys like a, a an Anthony Hill Jr. and a Marcus Deal that can play on either side of the ball. The showing you what you saw on on Saturday is, it, is it's kind of a a, 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 for, a vision of what Sark and these guys want. Whereas on the offensive side, the offensive line struggled. They did not get that push. There was no point of attack. And in and, and the times that and the thing that's a little 
unnerving was the fact that TCU didn't really have to blitz very much early on. I know they did situationally late just because it was apparent that they knew exactly what Texas was doing at half the time. But at, at the same time, the O-line as a whole probably had their worst game. You know, I do the grades every Sunday uh, post game. They come through PFF College. Uh, it's a very unique scale, to say the least. I don't think it's ever a, a, a precise you know, a uh, uh, unit of measure when it comes to a football game, but it gives you a lot of insight on stuff to like trends, snap counts, uh, things of that sort. And Texas defense scored and, and graded out very highly. Whereas on the offensive side for the first time this season, the offensive line didn't, didn't grade out as well. The offense as a whole outside of Jordan Whittington was downright bad. And so when you're trying to impress recruits, that's the last thing you want to do. And, and there was a lot going into this game. Trey, you and I both know that. But Quinn Ewers, the stinker we saw in Stillwater, we saw him kind of climb that hill on the road in Manhattan, comes back home, everything's lined up for him. It didn't work out. He didn't play the best game. He missed on a, on a handful of throws. There was a case of the drops that, that, that hit the, the, the offense, especially in the first half. And then, like I said, the lack of, uh, of Bijan and, and, and Rashawn Johnson, I believe they had 44 total yards. Trey, Texas is not built to win when Bijan Robinson has 12 touches and Rojo and himself combined for 44 yards. And I'm not sure what offensive mind thought that going into it. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, look, Bijan Robinson is a big reason why this team was able to go into Manhattan. And even though I guess technically, according to Vegas, it wasn't an upset, upset a better ranked Kansas State football team. Bijan, of course, goes over 200 yards and makes Quinn Ewer's job much easier. Quinn's numbers look better in Manhattan. I still wouldn't call it a great game, though, because he was uh, really having to throw a lot of shorter passes. And the few times that he did throw downfield, he was off target once again. But it was an improvement, like you said, from Oklahoma State, and then also the Iowa State game the previous week that uh, Texas is able to scratch and claw their way to a victory in that one against a bad Cyclones club. But we saw Quinn Ewers and his receivers really revert to form on Saturday. And for me, watching the game in the stands, and I did go back and watch the game on Sunday just to try and catch what I may have missed from not having the, uh, the advantage of replays and things like that. It just looks like his receivers aren't totally sure where the ball is going to be when they turn around to try and find that football. And part yeah. of the problem also is uh, Quinn Ewers, I don't know if he's confused or if it's just a matter of him not setting his feet. He, he doesn't seem to understand when he needs to be zipping the ball in there versus when he needs to be floating some of those beautiful passes that we saw completed in the Oklahoma game, which those TCU defenders did a phenomenal job of closing the gap and just breaking up uh, some of those pass attempts and the intermediate routes and then also some downfield routes as well, where you think back to uh, one of the throws he had in the end zone near the end of the game where Jordan Whittington 
is uh, doing a, quince, a quick slant over the middle. Yes. He zips it in there, and Whittington wasn't ready for that football yet. So uh, clearly things aren't on the same page, and I guess I say all of that to ask you because for me, I would have been completely fine with Steve Sarkeesian letting Hudson Card start the second half versus TCU. Would you have made that change as well? Trey, I, I thought about this, and the answer is no. Okay. Um, I think Sark is playing the long game. That's similar how he plays it in recruiting, which we'll get to here pretty quick. I think he's playing the long game here, and, and he needs to develop the quarterback. Uh, I, and the truth is, I, if I thought Hudson Card could come in and, 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 and be the spark and, and make a few things happen and, and get those guys in the end zone – I would obviously say Hudson Card because you've got to win. These that was a that was a winnable game for Texas and an opportunity to, to get in the Big 12 championship, which looks highly unlikely now. And so you play for that win, you play for that moment. But I don't think Card gave him Sark that that feeling. He didn't give me that feeling, and I think he's developed tremendously. The thing is, you have to go with with, with the young gunslinger just because he's. This is kind of the you you kind of have to live through some of this stuff. You know, he, he has a couple really good games. He has a couple pretty good games. And then he's had two pretty bad games. And that's typical of a 19-year-old playing in his first year in college football. And and at the end of the day, Trey, the thing to remember about, about Quinn, I love what he spoke about today, about he's become lazy in his delivery. He's not stepping into stuff like he, he has before. This offseason is going to be immense for Quinn Ewers and his development because he has to go back through his mechanics and he's got to do a lot of fine tuning. I know right now they're trying to get through the season. I know they're trying to install each week and, and, and put in new plays and, and be prepared for different defenses and adjustments he may see, but he's still a young guy. Sark is making those calls. You know, Quinn's not checking plays. Quinn's not audibly. He's not in that mindset of the, of the playbook yet. I think that's one reason you see a lot of one read looks and two read looks why he might be premeditated towards Xavier worthy more so than other guys, because at least he knows there's a good chance he'll be there. That's the lack of having a third and fourth and fifth receiver. The Isaiah Nayor injury to me, I've said this a dozen times and I know you're tired of it. That injury changed the projection of the season completely. And so right now, Sark's going to live with those bumps and bruises. He's going to live with that because Quinn's a gunslinger, and you got to get back to slinging the gun. He didn't look like that against TCU. He looked timid for the first time. He looked like the first drive against ULM. There was some butterflies there, some deer in the headlights a little bit. And then when you get a number of drops, and then when you get reads that are routes that don't get finished, you get alligator arms. All of a sudden, three and out, three and out, three and out. You have no confidence, and the other team is building quickly on your home turf. Yeah, and unfortunately, by the end, it seemed like he was tripping over his own two feet at times and uh, taking sacks. So the baby, uh, It's a baby giraffe learning what's going on in the zoo. Yeah, that's a, that's a good visual there. So obviously, this is a big recruiting weekend for the Longhorns. You had big-time guys on both sides of the ball course we can't start the uh the visit conversation without talking about arch manning who uh did find his way into town it wasn't uh, known i know inside texas reported uh near the end of last week that uh there was a strong chance arch would in fact be at the game sure enough he was there uh, for somebody like arch who obviously has a ton of confidence in his own abilities he is going to be an early enrollee this year do you think that he 
looks at uh, what he was watching on the field, specifically at that quarterback position for the Longhorns on Saturday night, wondering if there's not going to be a, a sooner opportunity for him to maybe take the field for the Longhorns? You know, with most quarterbacks, I would say absolutely, but not with not with this kid. Arch is a big-picture kid. That fam- The whole family is a big-picture, you know, macro-type level thinking group. And Arch knows – he saw the crowd. He saw the, the the support. Yeah, when you don't score very many points in a game, it's going to be really difficult. I mean, really difficult to make sure the crowd gets into it. And the crowd did not. The crowd did not get into it. And I, that's the, the the offense oftentimes fuels that. But Arch is a big picture guy. He got to come in. He wanted to come in just to, so he could talk to the other recruits. He could, he could mingle with those guys, get to know those guys on a better basis. And the truth is that's how you keep classes together, Trey. That's how you you keep these guys engaged with each other. They, half the kids I talked to loved meeting Arch. They loved getting to know him a little bit. So if I'm Arch, I'm not – I'm probably discouraged on the outcome of, of what happened. I'm discouraged what happened, uh, you know, on the field. But I also know I'm going to be playing mostly with different guys. This is going to be my arena. The guys I'm hanging out with on these sidelines are the ones that I'm going to be playing with. That's the kind of kid Arch Manning is. He's a forward thinker. He's a football junkie. And he's a kid that uh, he's going to come in humble. He's going to come in ready. He's expected to redshirt that this is college football and you never know what happens. So one of the uh, biggest recruits in town on Saturday not named Arch Manning is, of course, Anthony Hill Jr., the talented linebacker from Denton Ryan and recent Texas A&M decommit. Now, I don't believe this was an official visit for Hill this weekend, but uh, how did he like his time in Austin? I think he had a blast. I think he had a great time. Anthony's you know, no stranger to, to uh, Austin, Texas. This was his seventh visit in a recruitment that's expanded about three and a half, four years. Uh, Anthony Hill and his family have been through it all. Uh, and his and his parents have been tremendous the entire time. Uh, he told me, I went and saw him last week. Anthony told me, you know, he, he wanted to go back to Austin to kind of see how guys were doing, to, re, to bring back some bonds and relationships with, with some of the older recruits. You know, remember on his official visit back in, in, the, in June, Cooper and Arch Manning are texting them, him and his family, during the visit. If that's not a flex, I don't really know what is. <laughs> and it got their attention. And at the end of the day, when when Hill chose AM, uh, Texas was the runner-up. And so naturally you would think, well, the decommitment came. Now he's going to co- go see Texas. I think he had a good time. I was able to catch up with the family. And um, I will say this, the defense playing well was probably the best thing that could have happened. Um, that's because Anthony has always been consistent to me in his message that he wants to play on. I mean, every player wants to play with great players, but he's very specific with certain guys on defense. He wants to play with a really, really talented defensive group because he feels like that's how he's going to maximize the four years in college. And so seeing those guys play that way, seeing the linebacker play the play it was, see the way that that, that Jalen Ford and Amarion Overshone and those guys played, I think helps Anthony out. His little brother Landon, buddy, you're not gonna you're not gonna meet many bigger Texas fans. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wrote about it last week, but Landon was upset when, when, when big brother Anthony committed to a and He was he was upset. He's a big Texas fan. And so the fact that he got to come back in with the family was was really a big deal to that group. And I think that I think the Texas staff did a good job. And I, I think the dad had the best perspective. You know, Anthony said the, the players were telling him it's just time to come home. And there's a lot of players he's friends with. Obviously, former Denton Ryan teammates, Jatavian Sanders and Austin Jordan, who were both playing and both playing well, especially Sanders. But also, Ryan Watts is a close friend that he grew up with. Uh, Savion Red, Xavier Bryce, he knows a lot of these guys. And, 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 and I think Texas you know, staff relations guy Chris Gilbert is, is a big key to this recruitment. I think they've known each other for a long time, Trey. And, and now I think that that's one of those things where – He's kind of getting back to where Texas. There was a reason Texas was so close in his recruitment. There was a reason they were they were they were runner up at the end of the day. Alabama is still coming. Georgia is coming. Uh, the one to watch, Oklahoma's coming. But I think the one to watch is probably Ohio State. He told me he could potentially take a visit there over the next four to five weeks. He understands he only has about four or five weeks till early National Signing Day. So he might want to get these visits in quick. Ohio State's the one that I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a trip up there. Um, but that's probably it. Like it's, it's going to be Texas and one of those other schools. He still, he wanted people to know he still had respect for A&M and he really does love the staff in, in college station. He just was unfortunate. Uh, things turned out the way they did. And, and right now he's, he's more open. And I think after this weekend, um, I, it would be silly to not call Texas the, the, the silent leader. Love to hear that. Now, a couple of out-of-state recruits visited this last weekend as well. A couple skill guys. Let's start with DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver out of California. Current Louisville commits. Uh, Texas has uh, re-entered that picture over the last few weeks now. Did they uh, make even more headway with DeAndre Moore, Justin? That's the one. You know, uh, there's two receivers that everyone talks about. Jaden Greathouse from Austin-Westlake, Notre Dame commit. And DeAndre Moore just came off a, a, a big weekend visit with Georgia. Uh, watched those guys, uh, you know, a pants, I believe it was Tennessee, and, and, and he had a great time. Texas was the next trip. This was his second time being in Austin. Uh, and, and he's a kid that he, he – this team needs more wide receivers. If, the, if, if you're going to bring in the Quinn Ewers and, and the Arch Mannings and the Cedric Baxters and, and those caliber of players, the, the – the, Jonte Cooks, those caliber players, you've got to make sure you have other receivers. You've got to make sure you've got guys that complement those guys. I think DeAndre Moore was a kid that, that, that needed to come see that. He didn't see much of an aerial attack. But remember, players and kids don't always judge one game by one instance. It's, it's usually a bigger picture. 
And I think one thing fans were really good about doing this week, um, especially on Saturday, they may not have been as loud midway to the uh, through the game, but before and after, they were very big, they were very strong, and they were uh, very uh, influential to a lot of these kids. DeAndre Moore had a great time. It, it'll, it'll, it'll be early. It'll be very interesting to see what his next moves are over the next few weeks. Then how about Deuce Robinson, the freaky deaky tight end prospect out of Arizona, also in town on Saturday. Deuce Robinson's a guy. I, I think the fact Arch came in was probably the biggest plus in that regard. Not to mention they targeted Jatavian Sanders, I believe, 10, maybe 11 times. I think he had six, seven catches, something like that. Um, but understand – Deuce is – this was a guy that you're going to have to take away from Georgia or USC. I, I think the gap between those two teams in Texas is pretty large. Um, I, I do think he had a great time. Him and Jacoby Lane were hanging out. That's another receiver uh, out of Arizona, four-star that's committed to USC. He was on an official visit there as well. They know each other really well. Uh, we, we caught a, a little bit of them talking and hanging out with Arch Manning and his family. So you know that had some influence. And we won't know for sure – until for the next few days, just how much of a um, impression that, that those visits made. But I, I think getting Deuce in was a big thing, Trey. At this point, you got to show him a lot more than what Texas showed him, I think. And so I still feel like Georgia and USC are pacing this recruitment. Did Texas close the gap a little bit? That remains to be seen. Now, there was a lot of noise last week that Jaden Greathouse, the current Notre Dame commit, might end up decommitting and selecting the Longhorns. That didn't happen last week, but he was still at the game on Saturday. So is uh, Texas still uh, priming itself to maybe end up in that position where they could flip Jaden Greathouse before it's all said and done? I, you know, Texas has definitely put themselves in that position. I call it prime, prime pouncing position. But Jaden Greathouse is a unique kid. He's a kid that a lot of times when he says he's committed, he's committed. He's one of those that kind of stays, sticks with his word. He's got a tremendous relationship with Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame staff. The season has given him a little bit of pause, I believe. Got to catch up with him, you know, uh, a few weeks ago. Went and caught a Westlake practice early in the morning. Got to see Coach Salazar and those guys as they go for that uh, fourth straight uh, 6A D1 title. And Greathouse is focused on that. If you ask him or talk to him about recruiting outside of the playoff purview, he he's very he's not into it. He's very focused. He enjoyed the game though. He enjoyed hanging out with old teammates. He had he actually had some Westlake teammates that were not only uh, you know friends of his, but he had some on the team from Ethan Burke to Connor Robertson to Michael Taft to Dope Wilson. I mean, the list goes on and on. And and, and Colton Voshik, who his teammate made the flip last week. Um, Great House is one of those guys that uh, Texas probably needed to show a little bit more on offense than they did on mm -hmm. Saturday. Notre Dame's having their problems, but it, I feel like they're kind of catching uh, a little bit of fire here late in the season and probably going to, you know, they're gonna, they'll make a bowl and, and move forward from there. But right now, Texas, they, they need to win out with Great House. He's an early enrollee. He's going to be signing, or, you know, early signing day, and, and he'll be enrolling in January. They, I feel like Texas needs to win out to really give themselves a, a, a puncher's chance at Great House. But they're there. They're, they've stayed into it. They've stayed strong. I don't think there's another school that's close. He says Clemson still hit, hits him up. I believe Oklahoma still hits him up. But Great House is, is all Notre Dame right now.
if he did flip, I do feel like Texas would be the school. But Saturday's performance to me, while a lot of times it doesn't affect recruitments directly and probably doesn't as much with this one either, I do think Great House was looking for a reason to commit to Texas more or less than decommitting to Notre Dame. And like I've said before, Great House is the type of kid, it's not going to be hard for him to say, I want to commit to Texas. What's going to be the hardest is for him to decommit for Marcus Freeman. And that is the key to his recruitment. You mentioned Texas winning out, uh, going a long ways, and perhaps helping to flip Great House. So uh, we won't ask about both games. Two regular season games left for the Longhorns at Kansas this weekend, finishing the regular season at DKR the Friday after Thanksgiving against Baylor. Let's talk a little bit about this weekend's game, though, Justin. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, how the Longhorns match up with a Jayhawks team that runs a pretty unique offense for college football in 2022. There's also a bit of uncertainty at uh, who's going to be the quarterback for Kansas come Saturday as well. You know, in the past, you, you always look forward to Kansas. It was a W on, on, on the board most of the time. And then Texas has been taught over the last six, seven years, Kansas is not an easy out anymore. Uh, give Lance Leopold and those guys a lot of credit. What they're doing up there, it's not just a good team. It's not just a decent team. It's a competitive team. They play hard. They have some talent there. Devin Neal is a dude. Jalen Daniels has a future in the Big 12. Um, and there's talk about, you know, he went through practice, I believe, today. It was reported. And it, it looks like he may be playing on Saturday. And that's a big boost for that team. It It's one of those things, though, if you want to learn more about your Texas team, Longhorn fans, let them go to Lawrence and get a W because even though in the past it's been one of those kind of games that you don't put a lot of stock in, I've covered games in Lawrence, Kansas, and I swear on a Bible there was less than 500 people in those stands. <laughs> it's not like that anymore. Those guys have some talented guys. They're, they're, they're confident. They're, they're playing well. They're a little dinged up too, like Texas is, but they're, they're, they're playing with a ton of confidence. If Jalen Daniels plays, I think that even gives those guys even more incentive, especially with Texas' problem with the dual-threat quarterbacks, especially getting off the field on third downs. So, hey, Texas fans, buckle up. Kansas and Baylor are your last two games of the regular season. These are both very winnable games. But you're gonna Texas is going to have to play winnable football in both of them. Uh, I think – Kansas is the first one, and, and and I love what Sark said today. You know, you can't take that for granted anymore. You know, it's, if they, he goes, if I was worried about hyping them up about Kansas this week, all I got to do is put on the tape from last week and or last year, and 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 that's that's kind of the the, the narrative going into this this, this rematch. It's going to be the least scientific. Texas-Kansas breakdown that you're going to hear on the On Texas Football Channel all week long, but I refuse to believe that Texas will lose two straight games to Kansas. I know that's a foolish thing for me to say. It's a foolish thing to come out of my mouth, but Texas will not lose to Kansas two years in a row. That just cannot happen. I hope this little blurb doesn't turn into a video meme on social media. <laughs> It'll be like, you'll be like Max Headroom. You'll just keep repeating. Can't, 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 can't lose to Kansas two times in a year. Can't, can't. Makes the me want to cope. The silver lining, if that happens, Justin, is that uh, I will probably eventually get my way and see Hudson Card getting a few more snaps. You know, Sark's Sark brought viewers to the prom, and I get the feeling that he's dancing with the one he brought. 
sometimes your prom get prom date gets like super drunk and you have to, you know, kind of make sure that, uh, the prom date is okay off in the corner or makes it back home safely. And then you go back out and you found, find another prom date. You know, that's an excellent analogy that I think fits this perfectly. And so let's just hope, (laughs) let's just hope that, Quinn doesn't get loaded. <laughs> I'm clearly a guy who didn't go to my high school prom with the uh, the analysis that you just heard there. He just <laughs> Check him out. I inside was kicked Texas. out of the hotel the night of my uh, senior prom. I didn't go to the junior prom because I didn't want to. I had money. I wanted to save my money, and I'd go hang out with the party when it was over with. Oh, for I, went senior, I went my senior year because friends went. It was the thing to do, blah, 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 but – no, the fun was at the hotel, back to the hotel, which we got kicked out of at about 5.30 that morning. For all you young That's kids. That's for another podcast. Yeah, for all you young kids listening right now, prom is one of the most overrated things you will do. Oh, oh my God. After party, not overrated. Prom right. itself sucks. He is Justin Wells. Check him out, InsideTexas.com. Also, uh, all over the On Texas Football YouTube channel throughout the week. Uh, helps break down the game beforehand. He also uh, has a great post game with Bobby Burton as well. Always appreciate the time, Justin. Thank you. Hey, man, appreciate it. Alexander, tell him. Hook them, baby. This is the Recruiting Breakdown brought to you by a great Longhorn mortgage professional, Gabe Winslow. Gabe is a diehard Texas ex with more than 20 years in the industry doing mortgages throughout the great state of Texas. Contact Gabe today and give him the opportunity to earn your business. For Justin Wells, I am Trey Elling. This has been the Recruiting Breakdown. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. In the meantime, have yourselves a phenomenal rest of the week and hook them.